I just I just don't think Mac Jones is really going to be that great NFL quarterback. But I mean, Devontae Smith is just something else. He's he's going to be a great wide receiver in the NFL. So, who do you think the Steelers are probably picking? Because I'm just probably going to do the Steelers and then go work my way down to the Pirates. But what? I think we could probably get that Alabama running back, but it's just I hope we get him because Connor's not doing so well. He wasn't yeah. that good. I mean, I, I know Connor's not doing well, and it's part partially his fault, but I put a lot of it on the offensive line. Uh, Villanueva mm-hmm. just got killed at the left tackle position all season long. Uh, and then, I mean, losing Zach Banner isn't great, but Chikuma Okorafor played very well in his uh, position. You move, mm-hmm. you're probably going to move Okorafor to left tackle for uh, Villanueva, and then bring in Banner at the right tackle. Banner's pretty good in run blocking scenarios, so that's going to add some strength to your line. But you might take Christian Darasaw, uh, Virginia Tech offensive lineman. He's kind of like a hybrid. He can play guard, he can play tackle. But considering we have the tackle spots filled, we're probably going to have to move him into a guard role. I think we got three offensive line spots filled: a core four at left tackle. You got Kevin Dotson at left guard with Filer leaving, and then at right tackle you're have you're going to have Zach Banner. Now the question is: Is Pouncey coming back at center? I am not sure if he is. I mean, I heard he's not. I heard he's fifty fifty. Yeah. If he does come back, I think you have that role filled, and then you try to go right guard early on. Yeah. Uh, which I think that could be Darisaw. But if you do have four of your five offensive line spots filled, and it's an all right offensive line, why not go ahead and take a guy like Najee Harris, who can get you some physical tough yards but who also has that agility and speed to be a threat in the passing game. Yeah. Um, pretty much summed it up. Um, there's no really much talk about who's going to be the first pick. It's obviously going to be um, Trevor. Yeah. Is is there any chance maybe Fields or anyone else would be it? No. Because the no. Jaguars just get Gary Meyer and – no, there's no, there's, there's no chance Trevor Lawrence isn't the number one overall pick. There's no way. Okay. And we finally fired Feekner. I'm pretty sure all of Steamer Nation was happy about that. Yeah, I mean, for, for two years, he had the most predictable playbook and was the yeah. most predictable play caller. You could say, I mean, obviously he was this year with all these short passes, not – willing to throw it deep, but last year, without a quarterback, we just ran the ball until it was third down. I mean, he didn't really give Mason Rudolph much of a chance to throw the football. And I'll say this about Mason Rudolph. I think that he still has a chance to be the next guy. Uh, yeah, that game look, definitely showed a lot. Yeah, I mean, not just the Browns game. At, you look at how he was throwing the ball, how he was performing before that big hit in the Ravens game. He was actually pretty good. I mean, that. There were a few decisions that he made were questionable, a few things that weren't great, but he wasn't. He didn't have Ben Roethlisberger to fall back on to learn from. I mean, he was able to practice with Ben Roethlisberger, I believe, the entire week leading up to the Browns game. I mean, he's learned an <coughs> sorry, he's learned an entire year's worth of football knowledge and all that stuff. You know, being able to move around in the pocket, uh, pocket awareness with that—that's something he really needs to improve upon. Uh, but 
you know, deep ball accuracy has improved. And that's not really hard. That's not really easy to do considering he already had a pretty high uh, deep ball completion percentage coming out of college, especially. I I think he's learned a lot under Ben Roethlisberger. And considering the system that Matt Canada is going to put in, I feel like Mason Rudolph has a chance to succeed because he just looked gun shy. He just looked afraid to really be himself and do what made him a, a mediocre quarterback. Uh, in 2018, he just looked afraid to do that. He just wanted to get the ball out. He didn't want to stand in the pocket, really, uh, and he didn't really want to move out. He just wanted to get it out to his check down option if Reed one was an open. Uh, so, I mean, hopefully he can uh, improve on that pocket awareness, and hopefully he's a great I – th- I think he's going to be a great fit for the Matt Canada offensive system, which, I mean, he's, he's got a great offensive, sch- offensive scheme, and I can't wait to see it in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, there's not much. Is there anything else that so much hasn't been covered? I mean, not, not, I mean, Steelers wise, I think we pretty much hit on everything at the moment. Uh, and I, I will say this though, there's a lot of people that are calling for Keith Butler to get out of here. And I mean, yes, it's questionable to run a four, four set with, with guy. I mean, with already a pretty banged up linebacking core. Yeah. And you're putting guys like Spillane and Williamson on Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. But, yeah. I mean, you got to give, give Keith Butler a little slack here considering he lost Devin Bush, his best coverage linebacker, one of the better ones in the mm-hmm. league. Uh, Bud Dupree on the edge. You're not getting too yeah. much pressure without him. And, uh, he, I mean, he didn't have Joe Hayden either. I was, I was thinking there was a third mm-hmm. uh, defensive guy he didn't have in this game. So, I mean, you really don't have too much of an option other than – to run a four-four with you know you got Highsmith, Hayward, Tuit, and Watt up front, and then you got to put four linebackers into the game, even though you're already banged up at that spot. You know you have to put in mm-hmm. uh, Spillane, Williamson, uh, Vince Williams, and then you have to put in either Denyai, I think it is. Uh, but I mean he brought he had to bring it bring out uh, Pierre. I, I forget his first name, but he's from uh, FAU. He was an undrafted free agent. I mean he he made a couple of nice plays. I feel I feel like he could be a nice. Uh, backup option at the defensive back spot, considering we're probably going to have to part ways with one of two guys, Cam Sutton or Mike Hilton. Uh, I'd prefer, I mean, everybody wants Mike Hilton to stay. I'd prefer Mike Hilton to go, actually, considering Cam Sutton is a much more versatile defensive back. You know, he can cover the slot. He can cover uh, an outside receiver. He can also he can also uh, be great on that corner, on that delayed blitz from the slot position and that's really where Mike Hilton made his name you know he had some nice pass breakups a couple of interceptions here and there but he made his name on the delayed blitz uh, from the slot position and Cam Sutton can do that and a lot more and considering he's more versatile I'd like to see them bring him back as opposed to Mike Hilton especially considering Cam Sutton would definitely take less of a cap hit than keeping Mike Hilton okay um, we're pretty much screwed right now because we have to get a like, we have to sign some major guys back. Yeah. But I've heard next season we have a lot of cap space. Do you know the exact number now? I I don't know the exact number of cap space. I mean, this upcoming off season, the one that we're entering right now, that we're technically in for Steel yeah. Nation. Yeah. We we're we're in debt in the cap. Uh, but season after we we've got a lot of cap space, and that and mm-hmm. when we. And that season, in the 2022 offseason, I believe it is, we have got to use that cap space to bring back – to make sure we got T.J. Watt locked up, make sure we got Minka Fitzpatrick locked up, and then get it, keep as many wide receivers mm-hmm. and uh, as, you, as you can. And then, you know, hope you got some cap space in the future to sign some of these breakout rookies that are 
hopefully coming into the into the spotlight this season. Okay, um, just the last thing on the CO top, whether we move to the Pirates and Penguins who haven't been doing good. What's the, what do you think the QB situation after Ben retires, which is probably be next season? All right. Uh, I mean, you coming into uh, this season, the 2021 NFL season, they're going to keep Ben Roethlisberger, obviously. But the yeah. season after, I think we all expect him to retire. I think he expects to retire himself. If they don't take a quarterback this year, I anticipate that they will not take a quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Yeah, I, anticipate, I, mean, I anticipate they load up on offense. I anticipate they load up on offensive line, uh, maybe get a few corners in the process, and then get a couple of running backs. Uh, they, but the majority of the draft is going to be loading up on offensive line. I believe – I think if you don't take a quarterback, you're going to have Mason Rudolph start in t- 2022 – with the thought mm-hmm. in your head, if you're losing football games and you can't win football games, you're going to be taking a quarterback in the first round. But if you're winning football games, I think I think at that point, you, if you can make the playoffs with Mason Rudolph in his first year as a full starter, again, barring injury or barring poor performance, and him getting benched the same as he did last year, I think that you, you see Mason Rudolph getting another opportunity. And if he... In his first year starting, he can earn a playoff spot and earn an opportunity in 2023. At that point, I think you see Mason Rudolph for a few years as a starting quarterback in Pittsburgh, which, I mean, looking at Matt Cannon's offensive scheme, I think Mason Rudolph fits perfectly with it. And that he's, I think he's going to be the starting quarterback for a couple of years, at least after Ben leaves. Yeah, unless, well, unless we can pick someone or maybe trade for someone because and Deshaun Watson being traded, but I doubt there's a chance we could get him because Ben's not. not retiring. That's not a chance. Especially considering the cap yeah. situation. Um, so now we're going to move on to the Pirates. Biggest thing is obviously arbitration and also Josh Bell being traded. I personally think it was kind of an even. I know the prospects got weren't bad, but Josh Bell was declining aggressively in his talent from 2019 season. Uh, yeah, I mean, even though it was a COVID season, you, you definitely saw regression from that amazing 2019 yeah. you see from Josh Bell. Mm-hmm. He, he He's really hot and cold on and off at times. And, mm-hmm. I mean, even though there was a small amount of regression, it was a 60-game season. I didn't think that his yeah, trade value – Yeah, it wasn't much he could – I didn't think that there would be as much of a knock on his trade value as there as there was. And I still think that they probably could have gotten a better offer elsewhere, or even if they mm-hmm. held on to Bell for a few more weeks after uh, the after the trade was made. I think his uh, stock, his trade stock, would have risen a little bit at least. But uh, yeah. if it was dropping, then I don't know. If, they, if it was dropping and Sherrington in the front office knew it, I don't know why they didn't trade him earlier. I, I just think it this trade kind of baffles me because initially I saw we got their number three and number six prospect, which I thought, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know what's up this morning, but I mean, initially I thought, all right, that's not, it's not terrible. And then they get into our system and they're the number seven and 17 prospects. That's not great value at all, really. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I want to know if his trade value was on a rapid decline or if they held on to him, they could have gotten a little more uh, out, of, out of a desperation uh, offer from Washington. Mm-hmm. And also, we 
don't have much at first base. I'm pretty sure we have like Will Craig and I don't I think Philip Evans could probably fill his role, but I think is here here's what I think is gonna end up happening at first base, at least for this year. Will Craig yeah. is Will Craig is still in triple A Indianapolis. At yeah. some point I do think he's gonna get called up this year and take over that first base role. But he's not going to do it for opening day. I don't think he's going to do it for the first couple of months of the season. So what's going to happen is they're going to put Colin Moran at first base. They worked him out a lot there yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, I remember they're going to do that. Yeah, they're going to move Colin Moran to first base, and then they're going to start Key Brian Hayes at third base. And, man, Hayes, the, the last couple of yeah. weeks of the season, dude was amazing. Was I mean, I can't wait to see what he does in a full 162-game season. He's going to be a stud. It, it, it didn't count as his rookie year, I believe, right? No, it doesn't. If you make your first start – uh, halfway into the yeah. season, I, there, there's some point like when half of the and season's also the games, games could be played. played. Yeah. And that's also the amount of games you played. Not bad and all that. Yeah. I mean, same. I it's the same have... thing that happened with Ben Simmons in the NBA when he won Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. I said that's a totally different thing for like the M, um the NFL, where even if you don't play your rookie season, it still counts as it, yeah. which is. I guess it's fair, but it just here's the thing though they they don't have like a minor league team to yeah, send anybody team. back to like the NBA yeah. they can send people to the D league or the G league and then mm-hmm. hockey there there's a minor leagues in hockey I forget what it's officially yeah. called. Um, um, this is the the draft isn't to July, which from which we we do have the first overall pick, which is good and sad at the same time because we're worst the worst in the league. I mean, we we haven't been in the top yeah, half of the yeah. league since 2015. So I mean, I'm kind of kind of used to it. So I mean, if you're gonna get used to losing, why not lose to the point where you're stocking up on you talent? It's actually something good at it. You can see get something good out of it. Yeah, uh, and it was only a 60 game season, so it's not like we went through six months of misery in the summer. I mean, we only went through a couple. We and we kind of anticipated that those two months of misery with how this team has played in the mm-hmm. in recent years. Now, this is only 60 games. It wasn't a full season. Yeah. Like some, some games. So, um, I don't know if you know much about him, but the first one is Komar. I forget his last name. Kumar Rocker. Yeah. He looks like a stud from, yeah. he had a, he had a no hit. Yeah. He threw a, threw a no and... hitter for Vanderbilt. And I think it was yeah. the college world series. I went into it more in the detail when we first got learned, and it said every strike we held was with his slider. Yeah, I mean. Which is pretty good. If you have something that moves, it's good. Yeah, man. If you, if, you, if you get a good slider, why not just <laughs> beat everybody down with that? I mean, I, Kumar does have quite a bit of velocity, and I think that it's a no-brainer. He's going number one overall. I think if Shelton actually said it. At the end of the season, he didn't hit it. He said, can't wait for Kumar Rocker to come into the team. I mean, we all know who the number one overall pick is going to be in June. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Kumar Rocker. And last pitch of the Pirates took it number one overall was Garrett Cole. We all know how he's working Ooh. out with the, yeah. with the New York Yankees. There was no way. There was, there was no chance we could ever keep him. Our payroll was so low. And the Yankees just yeah. signed um, Kluber. Yeah, they just had Kluber. I mean, we initially traded uh, Cole to the Houston Astros, though, but similar situation. They decided to expand their payroll to go from a small market team to a large market team. And, I mean, one of them a World Series got him to another. So, I mean, it worked out. But, yeah, even without the money-wise, just the way that our coaching staff and our, was set up with Ray Searage, 
The reason he looked like a magician and wizard in 2013 to 15 is because he got a bunch of pitchers in his rotation that were straight ground ball pitchers, and they they didn't really know it. I mean, those pitchers were starting to try to were trying to adapt to the changing game of being a strikeout pitcher. It was kind of that transition process in you know ground ball put contact on the ball era in the MLB. That was the early 2000s, and then the 20. 2000 to 2010 decade and then you have this you know era shift into either you're hitting a 450 foot bomb or you're striking out three times a game i mean and that's kind of that like that transition era we we didn't have a consensus you know everybody's got to hit the ball out of the yard or they're going to be striking out or put just put the ball in play put the bat on the ball so Mm -hmm. i mean it benefited series because you, you didn't have too many long ball hitters but you were starting to lose a lot of these coaches that are just teaching their guys to put the bat on the ball. And it it really worked out because there's still a decent amount of ground ball hitters in the MLB from 2013 to 15. And you got the perfect pitchers to execute that. That didn't, re- again, they didn't really know they were ground ball pitchers and Ray series brought that out of them. And then in 2016, he started to beat that into the ground with his guys, whether they were strikeout pitchers in the minor leagues or not. I think that's what cost re- Keller in 2019 and mm-hmm. 2020, he showed that he can be a very good pitcher mm-hmm. in the MLB. Uh, Musgrove, I think that kind of killed him for a few starts in 2019 as well. Uh, and then Garrett Cole, obviously the big one that got killed mm-hmm. by being forced to be a ground ball pitcher. I think the one start that really sticks out in my head was a random start in June, I think, of 2016 or 2017. I think it was 2017. Yeah. Uh, against the Reds, came out in the fourth inning. Yeah. He he gave up four home runs. I think that was the start that we real that everybody in Pittsburgh realized either Sirius has got to go or we're going to have to trade Garrett Cole because it's just flat out not working out. And Tyler Glass now, same thing, had to trade him uh, for Chris Archer. And Chris Archer and Tyler Glass now were similar pitches. I don't know why we decided to trade for Chris Archer if Tyler Glass now wasn't working out because Archer mm-hmm. was already having somewhat of a down year in Tampa Bay, and then you bring him in. Yeah, so we just – yeah, I mean, well. yeah, yeah. And, and a dude who hammers in his four-seam and two-seam fastballs for strikeouts because of his high velocity, and then you throw in—I mean, I think he had—it was either a curve, it was a curveball or a slider, but he had a great breaking ball pitch that just made him such a threat on the mound to strike you out, no matter if you were Aaron Judge or some random from Double A Altoona. And then Ray Series tried to force him to use that two-seam way too much, and then. He just got hammered. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derek Dietrich just stared at a bomb he hit into the river, and that was kind of the beginning yeah. of the downfall of Chris Archer in Pittsburgh. I mean, it it just wasn't. It's not going to work out with strike with uh strikeout pitchers and race series. That's just a marriage that is bound to not work. Okay, there's a bunch of stuff that um that happened among this week. We signed that 16 year old in the arbitration, where we we got we. I forget, what, I forget what his first name was. I, I know who you're talking about. Polanco, the international Shannon signing. Polanco. Shannon Polanco. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good that's, – that's a pretty good signing. He shows that he – I mean, he shows that he can be a pretty decent MLB hitter. Uh, but we obviously mm-hmm. have to develop him, and hopefully he doesn't end up uh, like yeah, like our, like our current so. Polanco, Gregory. I mean, yeah. hopefully he doesn't end up like that. So we did get – we signed Wilmer Tifo. I don't know if I butchered that name or not. Yeah, Wilmer Defoe. Defoe. 
And that Rodriguez, which I think he could easily be a league's top reliever if we just utilize him more than we did. Rich Rod. And then Chris, yeah, Chris Stratton and also Stephen Brawl and then Musgrove, Frazier, and Chad Cole. I mean, going going back to Richard Rodriguez, Mm -hmm. looking at what he does in the second half of the season, he's always looking like a top reliever in the MLB, one of the better ERAs in that portion of the season. But every Mm -hmm. single year, whether it be this past season in, what was it, July that they started, or August, and then... Well, we started, I'm pretty sure in August. Yeah, yeah, the first game was in July, but it really started in August. Yeah, we started in... Yeah. Yeah. We started late July. Yeah. Uh, but and then you look at what he did, and then in a normal season in April and May, we consistently bring him into ball games, and he consistently blows them. I mean, Richard Rodriguez shows up when the season is basically done already, and I don't know how to feel about Richard Rodriguez because sometimes he's great, and then just sometimes he absolutely blows. I, w- I want to see consistency out of Richard Rodriguez before I can fully believe in him. But Kyle Crick is the one that. It doesn't matter what part of the season he we're in. He's blowing a ball game. He just he yeah. sucks. I'm sorry. He yeah. sucks. This it's just a it's pretty much who's good and who's bad now. The most optimist. What's the what's the what's your optimism about this season for this upcoming season? Because I think the best we could probably do is finish maybe ten games under 500, maybe more. There's not much we can do. I think With Josh Bell gone. We might get that Benintendi dude. Which, I don't think we're going to end up getting Benintendi. He, I think he's going to either go to the Astros or the Blue Jays. I think he's going to one of those two. But it wouldn't. It doesn't surprise me that we're making a push for Benintendi, considering he was Ben Charrington's guy in Boston. I mean, Benintendi was the guy Charrington drafted early on. Benintendi mm-hmm. was the guy that Charrington brought up through the minor league system. And Benintendi was the guy that Charrington drafted to eventually help them win a World Series championship in 2013. So it doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me that Charrington's going after Ben intended to be a cornerstone in this rebuild. I don't think it's going to happen because we don't, we're not going to be willing to offer up as much as uh, t- Toronto and Houston is going to be because their World Series mm-hmm. window is open now. Houston's is closing. Toronto's, mm-hmm. I believe it's wide open now. I think that they have a legit shot yeah. to take the With American the, League. Yeah, they have so many young guys who are so good right now, like Vladimir. Bichette, all of them. It's yeah, Calvin Biggio. That, much, yeah. What what also excites me about that is for for Pittsburgh at least Toronto wise, they're looking for a pitcher and they've been linked to Joe Musgrove for quite a few months now. I feel like Toronto mm-hmm. would be able to would be willing at least to give up the farm for Joe Musgrove because they know they need a quality starting pitcher if they want to put themselves over the hump, over the Yankees hump now that they went out, uh, resigned DJ LeMahieu and are bringing in Corey mm-hmm. Kluber. I think, I think that Toronto needs Joe Musgrove and I think that they would be willing to give up the farm to get Joe Musgrove, which would really help the pirates in their rebuild. I, again, I don't think we're getting that Uh What, what no. the, the optimistic part of the season uh, record wise, maybe 75 wins. Probably not. That that's a that's a fever dream. Uh, but again, the, the optimist. Hey, you never know. Real... We could all of our guys could hit be in there, be peaked at the same time. We could miracle. I'm, I'm gonna them. tell you right now what's what's gonna end up happening. It's gonna get us to 70 wins and screw us in the draft order. Is we are going to have once again the most insane month of July. We do it every year. We hit some insane stride in July. We get so much momentum. Mm-hmm. And then we just come crashing down in August again. 
uh, I, it's probably going to happen again. It's it's just the Pirates' way, you know, get a lot of momentum in July. And then if, if we're in 2013 to 15, you know, ride that momentum to the postseason. Any other year? No, nope, we're, we're crash and burn in August. I, it's just this, this team, it, it can be painful to watch sometimes. But, again, an optimistic part about the season is we don't have that month of July and we get the number one overall pick again in next year's draft. I think we're going to – I think that it's pretty easy to see that the Pirates are going to have 100 losses this season. Okay. Um, last thing for the baseball, as I have heard, if there's maybe something else you want to add, the Lindor trade. That the Mets got Lindor and Carrasco. Indians got – And what? I don't I'm, – I'm going to butcher all of it. Andreas Jimenez. Jimmy, um, it's either Jimenez or Jimenez. I, th- I think it's Andre- Andres Jimenez. And I know who you're talking about, yeah. Omar Rosario, John Wolf, and Isaiah Green. <sighs> the Mets won the steal by a mile. I mean, they, ju- yeah, they just signed Lindor to a long-term deal. He's going to be a New York Met for quite mm-hmm. a while. And mm-hmm. it it's so obvious that this was a salary dump by the Cleveland Indians. They didn't even try to make it. Yeah, they didn't no, even try to hide the fact. I should. Like they wanted. They I mean, wanted. they made it so obvious. I mean, they because they dumped Carrasco too. Those are two of their biggest guys. That were taking salary hits and putting them over the. I mean, putting them in the luxury tax area because the MLB doesn't have a salary cap. And I think that with teams like the Yankees, just they. I mean, they don't care about no luxury tax. They got all the money in the world, and they're they're still gonna get knocked out in the ALDS. I'm just gonna say that, but. I mean, I, I think that the discussion about the salary cap should be brought back into the MLB, but that, that's for another day. This was a salary dump mm-hmm. by the Cleveland Indians, and they've got a decent farm system. Uh, I think it's Isaiah McKenzie. or No, no, no not Isaiah. It's Tristan McKenzie, uh, the young pitcher mm-hmm. for Cleveland. I think he's a top 20 prospect in the in major league, in, I should say minor league baseball, but among all farm systems in the MLB. Hey, he's going to be good, but – who do you, who does Cleveland really have past that in their farm system? It's not really that deep. It just has a couple of talents. No one really. I mean, I think I, no I, one. I, I don't think they made not, the playoffs. Yeah, now. they're they're, they're going to be back to Cleveland Indian baseball of the early two thousands. Well, you can't say Indian anymore because I think I think I think they did a couple years. Yeah, I think they did say they'd actually keep the well, name this, for the this, 20, 2021 this, season. Yeah. I said I meant to say like twenty two season. Yeah, I mean, and that that here's a good thing about that. I mean, we call the football Washington the football team because they they changed their name so late that they didn't have time to find a new name. At least Cleveland mm-hmm. has an entire whole season to find a replacement for the Indians. I think it's going to end up being something stupid mm-hmm. like the Spiders or the Rockers. Yeah. That, that those are what everybody's saying the top contenders. But I mean, hopefully they find another name because I don't want to call anybody the baseball or the football or the basketball team because that's just stupid but they, they've already ruled out the baseball team yeah they already said it's not gonna be that yeah. last thing because we are one this under um 35 minutes or less the college march madness is going to be played gonzaga i have seen is playing pre- amazingly Man, they, well that gonzaga something else i don't Know about anything about Ohio State basketball? I doubt you know if they have a chance. Cause I know my my pit it has just have a chance to make it because they are playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean. Anything about Ohio State? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll say this that they're, they're past three games they've been looking pretty good. I mean, they go onto the road uh, against the 15th ranked team in the nation in Rutgers, 
and they beat them by double digits. It was a great win for Ohio State. Uh, they followed it up with a home win against Northwestern by 10, uh, a revenge game. I mean, they lost to Northwestern on the road, and it knocked them out of the top 25 temporarily. Uh, after the Rutgers win, they put them back into the top 25 at number 21. And then they get that revenge win against Northwestern. And they go on the road against Illinois, against a team who preseason was considered – preseason and the first few games of the season, they were considered one of the favorites to win the national championship. You go to Illinois against – I think it's A.O. Uh, Don Suma, Sumu or something like that. I mean, he's, he's one of the leading scorers in the Big Ten, one of the leading scorers in the entire country. And he only he scores 22. That's not bad for college, but you beat them by six points, I believe, on the road in a game where you probably should have won by double digits. Ohio State, the one thing that they need to improve upon is keeping leads late because this is, again, that they've had a massive lead. I think they were up by 18 uh, near halftime, 15 heading into halftime, and they had it in the bag up by like 12 with two minutes left. Uh, Illinois climbed their way back in to nearly give them a shot, but. They need to improve on keeping leads late in games, and they're going to be fine. You talk about guys like EJ Liddell and Zed Key, a couple of young uh, big men that dominate the paint. And then outside, Justin Aron, I don't think he's missed from three of the past three games. He is on fire from beyond the arc. Uh, uh, you got uh, – what's his name? Dwayne Washington. Dwayne Washington. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. phenomenal free throw shooter. He's the one guy you want the ball in his hands late in games when – Everybody's got a foul. I think he's missed four free throws all year, and he's got 40-plus attempts. I mean, he's insane from the free throw line. And then off the bench, I mean, Zed Key's coming off the bench. You got Justice Suing. He's a very versatile offensive player. Musa Jallo, he's got insane hops. I mean, he's another hybrid guy who can shoot the three, and then he could go into the paint and just elevate to another level. Uh, Michi Johnson, a freshman who actually reclassified. He was supposed to be a freshman next year. Instead, he came into the came in uh, this year for the Buckeyes. He's pretty – I mean, he's a solid freshman. He's got a nice outside shot. The defense definitely needs to improve a little bit. But I feel like he could be a nice 3-and-D player for the Buckeyes. And then Seth Towns coming off the bench. Everybody expected him to be the lead guy for the Buckeyes. And then uh, I really don't know what happened, but he's not even a starter for Ohio State. But he's a nice, solid bench option. He can give you some solid points, some tough points, uh, some tough defense as well. And he's very active on the offensive and defensive boards. So that's a great – I mean, this team is pretty deep, but they don't have any major talents such as got teams like Gonzaga with Drew Timmy and Jalen Suggs. I think that this is – I know Baylor's playing well as very well as two, mm-hmm. and I think that I, I have my final four set. I, I have three of my final four teams. If, if the season were to end today, they would all be one seeds. Yeah, I'd pick them to make the final four, even though I hate doing that. It'd probably be Gonzaga, Baylor, and Texas. They're just on another level. Uh, the next team up in the air, mm-hmm. a lot of people are taking Michigan. I don't think there's any way that happens. I think they're going to end up choking it away. Even though Jawan mm-hmm. Howard, he had this team rolling to start the season, just lost by 20 to Minnesota. It might be biased, but I, I might pick a, th- a five-seated or four-seated Ohio State to make the Final Four. The way they're playing right now, I mean, they're eleven and three, one of the best starts in recent uh, history, recent years for the Buckeyes. Last time they started this well, I think it was actually last year, and we didn't get to have a tournament, so we won't know how that ended out. But the last time they started this well and made the yeah. tournament was in twenty twelve, the twenty eleven to twenty twelve season, made the Final Four that year. So uh, we'll see what the future holds for the Buckeyes. But I mean, there's just I think that there's three teams. You got Gonzaga, Baylor, and Texas, and then you got the rest of the field. That's it. I mean, Villanova, they're the three-seeded team right now. They haven't played in a while. I think that when they come back, they're going to get exposed pretty heavy by the Big East, and they're going to be knocked out of that really top 
top-tier team conversation. I think Texas should overtake Villanova in the rankings this week, and you'll have your top three teams solidified. It's all three of these teams' championship to lose. If one of, the, if, if one of Gonzaga, Baylor, and Texas doesn't win the national championship, either they will all have to have colossal downfalls and disasters of an end to their season, and then or you have a team that just steps up here in the second half of the season and just plays too well for anybody to beat. Probably come, it's probably going to be a team coming out of the ACC knowing anything. Uh, but, I mean, who knows? Okay, last this – is, this is just a clown of the Ravens fans. They did lose three points. I'm happy about that. Jordan Tucker did miss two field goals. <laughs> I mean, I hope I hope Lamar gets better. I'm not going to wish injury on anybody, but yeah, first first three quarters of the game, I don't want anybody to ever tell me Lamar is going to be a top ten passer in this league. His running is what makes him anywhere anything near a mediocre quarterback. I mean, this might be Steelers bias. I don't care. He cannot throw the football, dude. I mean, it's just some. It's just painful mm-hmm. to watch. Unless he has a million years to stand in the pocket going up against a Bengals secondary, which only has Jesse Bates, maybe he'll look good throwing the football. And again, that's in optimal conditions. I mean, he cannot play in the cold. I mean, his rushing ability was taken away last night, and everybody that has said, you know, he's an all right passer. I've said it. He, you take away his rushing ability, you were going to murder the Ravens. What happened last night? You take away Lamar's rushing ability, it was over. It was over from there. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins did relatively well on the ground, but when you get inside the 30, you can't just continue to feed them because they're just going to get start getting stuffed, and you're going to have to settle for field goals, and that's exactly what happened. And you get inside the red zone. You know, Lamar was great in the red zone heading into this game. And then he throws a 101-yard pick six. Everybody, All anybody yeah. talked about heading into this game was red zone Lamar and how insane he is. That might have been a jinx. Yeah, but I mean, three go to go all the way to Buffalo just to score three points, and I mean everybody's saying you know Steelers fans you can't talk you lost in the first round of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, if I do remember, the Steelers swept the Baltimore Ravens in the regular season, and they also won the division. So you they may have won one more playoff game, but we got more hats and T-shirts to show for a great regular season, and we'll have mm-hmm. a better draft pick to rebuild, and it's going to end up being a retool mm-hmm. uh, for next season. So I'd say. Personally, the Steelers got the better end of the stick. Uh, if I mean, yeah. I'd rather I'd rather lose in the wild card round and win the division and beat our division rivals twice in one season than not win the division, mm-hmm. get swept by our division rivals, and then get, end up getting a worse draft pick without going to the AFC Championship game. That's just me. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add before we? Nope. I think up? we hit everything. Okay, pretty much every week we will make a podcast. Last week we couldn't because he, he had a family yeah. thing. You said you were in Miami yeah. and stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's going to end it. I'm going to press the I'm gonna press finish recording and hopefully 